Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Could these four living creatures speak to us, as some have said, about the Gospels? The four Gospels. We know that Matthew speaks of Jesus being the the heir to the throne of David, who was the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? Judah is always associated with a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And so Matthew speaks of Jesus being the rightful heir to the throne of David. The king. And it's put forth as a lion. Thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. In today's lesson, Pastor Rob explains the different interpretations of the four cherubim around the throne of God. Although the Bible doesn't give us a definitive interpretation of the faces of the cherubim, one thing is for sure, there is a reason why God has placed them in His Word. One explanation of these four different faces of the cherubim is often taken as symbols of Jesus as he is represented in each gospel. In classical church architecture, these four characters are repeated often as a definitive feature that signifies both heaven and the four gospels. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Further and further along in the process that the world wants them to go. We have to be removed because once we're removed, believe me, the agenda is going to flow forward like you would not believe. But until then, we pray. Until then, we get on our knees and we pray. Until then, we resist in our hearts our own sin and our own life. God doesn't call us to have a militia. God doesn't call us as Christians to amass guns and go out and attack people. He never did that. He had his reasons when he brought the children of Israel into Canaan, but that's a whole different thing. That was a judgment. God's coming again for judgment. Are you ready? You won't be here if you're a Christian. But judgment is coming. And you know what, folks? People need to hear that. Nobody wants to talk about that. I'd much rather talk to them about chapters 4 and 5 and give them this wonderful heavenly vision of heaven. But before they can appreciate that, they have to understand that they need a Savior. They have to understand that there's something inherently wrong with them, and that's sin. I was born a sinner, and I continue to be a sinner. However, I'm saved by grace, and the Lord is transforming me. Amen? Is he doing the same for you? Hopefully. If you're a Christian, it's happening. Maybe not as fast as you'd like, and sometimes, isn't it frustrating? Have you ever made the same mistake over and over again? And say, Lord, now I understand what Paul the Apostle said when he said, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Do you ever feel that way, or am I the only one? (laughs) Yes. I can see we're not going to finish four. (laughs) That's okay. 
It's our first time together. Things are happening and it's wonderful, isn't it? Do you sense the Lord's peace on your heart? Even though I'm talking about difficult things. Some of them anyway. The Lord loves you. He loves you. He loves you and I. So, notice at the end of verse 6, there are these four living creatures. It's unfortunate in the King James Version, if you have a King James Version, uh, it, it calls them four living beasts. And it would re- it'd be better to be rendered four living ones. Four living ones, or four living creatures. Four living beasts kind of gives it, it makes it sound, uh, gives the impression of, of savagery and maybe even of corruption. But these living creatures, these living beings... These four living ones are, 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 are so much more than that. They are glorious before the throne of God, protecting the throne of God if there ever needs to be protecting. Showing forth the things, the very heart of God and these, these, these creatures, they are one. And God, when he speaks, when he thinks, they execute whatever it is. There's no, there's no debating. I love that. Isn't there something wonderful about good authority? We know that we're not surrounded by good authority all the time, but God uh, blesses us when we submit to that authority, even when we don't like it. But you know what? The authority of God is so much greater than anything. You know, I want to be the kind of person, I want to be the kind of Christian that when God says to do something, I want to just do it. And I I don't want to ask a lot of questions. I do. (laughs) I do ask questions, but it's a place I still need to get to. Maybe you're the same way. I just want to do it. Don't you want to do it just when he says to do something? To just say, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't even like it, honestly. But I trust you. Isn't that Job's heart? He says, though you slay me, yet I will trust you. Though you allow me to go through a lot of pain, Lord, and you use me for some cosmic experiment, which really wasn't something that God was, um, he didn't, uh, it, it wasn't mean on God's part, but he knew the end. He knew Job's ending. He knew everything Job would go through and how at the end he'd be refined and Job would be in a much better place. But the devil and God made a, made a pact, or not a pact, but an agreement. He said to him, you know what? You can touch Job to a certain point. There's limits, devil. There are limits to what you can do. I'll allow it. Because I know something you don't. And the devil's going, what? Because he's not omniscient. The devil doesn't know all things. All the devil knows is that he's got carte blanche to destroy this man's family and to touch his health. And he's thinking, how far will he let me go? Because sometimes the Lord will even allow a person to be destroyed. That's a scary thought, but that's true. So the devil's thinking, I don't care. I just want to I just want to go after him. And God says, "You can, but there's a limit. You cannot cross that limit. I know the end. I know what's going to happen." He knows that about you too. You may be going through a trial. Something right now. We've all been going through a trial. It's been a trial of the last this is going to be the trial of the year. This may be even the trial of the decade. Maybe even the trial of the century for us. What we've been going through. But these four living creatures, they stand before the throne of God 
We know that Satan, Lucifer, he was a cherub. It tells us in Ezekiel 28 that he was the anointed cherub who covers something about these cherubim and their, and their, their power. God seems to have an order in the heavens of angels. There is an order. There's a hierarchy. There, there's a, a description. You know, as you read the word of God, you see that there are different levels, different powers, different strengths, something about it. We don't have it all together, but there definitely is these things. And these cherubs were standing before God, and, and the devil himself was, was a cherub initially. And as we look at these cherubs before the throne of God, it reminds us of the two cherubs that stood over the mercy seat in the Old Testament over the Ark of the Covenant with their wings over and looking down upon the mercy seat where blood would be dropped once to atone for the sin of Israel. Every year on the Day of Atonement, that would happen. And these cherubim would do that. They would cover. And they were full of eyes. Notice that. These were extremely intelligent beings, completely holy, committed, submitted to God. And they certainly portrayed the omniscience of Almighty God, having eyes everywhere. I speak of knowledge. I speak of understanding. And they had eyes all around. Can you imagine being around somebody like that? And the first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. These four living ones could represent the following things. And I'm just going to give you a few things, and we may actually have to, um, uh, let's see here, we may actually need to stop after this. But notice, these four living ones could represent these four things. There's different ideas concerning who these four living creatures are. They could represent Israel in totality. If you remember in Numbers, uh, Numbers chapter 2, you can read that whole thing, that whole chapter, which we won't do. But really what it does is it lays out how the children of Israel, as they were going through the desert, coming out of Egypt, going into the promised land, how they would encamp in the desert. Whenever they would move, they would encamp in this way. And there was, on the east side, there was Judah. That was the, the head of, 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 the, of, the, of those that are on the east side. As they would go, the, the Levites would be right in the center with the tabernacle. And then the, 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 the tribes, three on this side, three on this side, three on that side, three on that side. And from the top looking down, you could see, even if you look at the numbers, it actually points, it shows a cross. From, if you were to go in the Goodyear Blimp and fly over the top of this thing, you'd be going, huh, a cross, what does that mean? I'm sure it's there by chance. No, it was there by design. Even in the encamping of Israel in the desert, God was pointing to the cross. Didn't they just encounter that in the Passover before they left? The lentil, the blood, going across, and like that. What does it form? A cross. It's pointing toward something. What is it? Ultimately, it's going to be fulfilled in Jesus on the cross. It speaks of death. One would take the place of all of us on that cross. So, here they are encamped, four tribes on each side, the Levites being in the center. On the south side, Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. On the west side, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. On the north side, Dan, and Asher, and Naphtali. So it could somehow symbolize, and and many believe it's not in the scripture, 
But many believe that as each of these four different camps, they had banners for each of these four different camps. And they believe that these creatures that we're talking about, the faces, one represents a man, one represents a lion, one represents an eagle, and another one represents an ox. That there's, there's evidence, evidently, uh, extra-biblical evidence that that may be the case. But there's also another possibility in that these animals, if you look at them, they're really the federal heads, if you will, of all of the creation. I mean, look at the, look at the, uh, the lion, for instance. He's the greatest of all the wild animals. He's the king of the jungle. Right? Who wants to mess with a lion? He's at the top of the food chain. Unless he gets near an elephant. Elephant can just stomp on him, but you know the, the the lion is he's the one everybody's got to do business with. He's the one who's asking for rent and pushing people around and getting their lunch money. Okay? He's the king of the forest, the greatest of all the wild animals. And what about the ox? He's the strongest of all the domesticated animals. He's the strongest. He's the most used. He's at the top. We enjoy his benefits through hamburgers and steak, beef jerky. And this nice Bible with the leather cover. Thank you, Mr. Cow. <laughs> and so, he's the greatest of the domesticated beasts. And what about man? Man is God's workmanship, right? Isn't that what it says for us in Ephesians 2, verse 10? It says, we are his workmanship. We are his poema. We are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And what about the eagle? It speaks of the eagle is the noblest of God's birds. Of all the birds, if you could own a bird, most of you, maybe, maybe you'd have a macaw, or maybe you'd have a parrot, or maybe you would have a parakeet. Me, if I could own a bird, I want a big cage with a bald eagle. And he just, he looks at me with those eyes, and he can practically see right through me because his eyesight is so good. He can fly right to the heavens and fly straight toward the sun and then swoop down and be unnoticed and take away vermin and, and carrion. This majestic bird. The king of the birds, speaking of Jesus' heavenly origin. Or could these four living creatures speak to us, as some have said, about the Gospels, the four Gospels? We know that Matthew speaks of Jesus being the, the heir to the throne of David, who was the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? Judah is always associated with a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and so Matthew speaks of Jesus being the rightful heir to the throne of David, the king. And it's put forth as a lion. What about the ox? The ox speaks of the gospel of Mark, perhaps. Mark portraying Jesus as the servant of all, the servant of all. And what is an ox? The ox is a servant. And Jesus, what does it say in Mark chapter 10, verse 45? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's really the, sums up the, the book of Mark for you. That's really what it's all about. Jesus being the servant. And what about man? It speaks of the gospel of Luke. Luke was a physician. It speaks of Jesus being the Son of Man. And what about the eagle? One of the most Greatest of birds, flies to the heavens. What does it give you a glimpse of? The heavens, the heavenly realm. And what did John portray in his gospel? Is Jesus being the Son of God Almighty, separate from the earth, separate from his creation, in a class by himself, far above it all. 
Could it be that? It could be. It could be all those things. And that's okay. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, they, they uh, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is to, is to come. We will see here and later that there is a reverence and that there is an order uh, in their worship. And when he says, holy, 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 and most of the, the majority of the texts that are available to us, it actually has holy, holy, holy three times. So three heptads of holy and holy and holy. Perhaps ascribing greatness, ascribing worth to these three. These three in one. We serve one God, but they're three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. These living beings, like these living beings, excuse me, we need to worship God intelligently. And we need to worship Him with passion. You know, I hope that at some point we can... I would encourage you to challenge yourself about worship. So often, we can get so timid. And, you know, I look at the worship, and I look at the way the, the Hebrews, the Jews worshipped, and it was beautiful, but there was nothing showy about it. You know, and it doesn't mean that we have to stand up with timbrels and castanets and, 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 and run around the room. We don't have to do that. But I want to ask you, where is the passion? Where is the passion in your worship? Personally and corporately. I love it when we can gather together and we can put our hands together and we can sing loud. I love that. One of my favorite things to do is to go to the Cove in, in uh, Sandy Cove, Maryland, and we meet for a pastor's conference. We've been doing it for the last 25 years, and every year we go, there's 1,100, 1,200 pastors in a room, and there's a worship team. I call them Rob and the Boys. His name's Rob Paletti, wonderful brother. And we sing. And we sing loud. People across the Chesapeake can hear us. We sing with our, our whole hearts. And I would encourage you to do the same. Not in some kind of fake bravado, right? We don't do anything to just do something. But I want to encourage you, to, and we'll end with this today. And again, not to leave you with something that's kind of, I want to challenge you and encourage you at the same time. Don't let your worship become dull. Don't let it become mundane and just kind of like, oh, that song again. You know what? A true worshiper can sing the same song every single day and have the same amount of vigor and vitality and excitement and exuberance. I would encourage you, let's pray about this as a, as a family, to really worship Jesus Christ. Again, we can't make this stuff up. We can't engineer something. And that's not what I'm saying. We have to be genuine. But let's get excited about who God is again. I want to get excited about who God is again. Because you know what? As we read these two chapters, and I read about these symbols and these similes and these things that they're trying to describe with language, it blasts me out of orbit. And I don't want to think on earth when I read these chapters. I don't want to think like this when I'm worshiping God. I've got to get out of my own box. I've got to get out of the box that I put God, I put God in a box. Have you ever put God in a box? We do it. I've done it. 
I like him in the box because I can control him. I can say, here's the limit of what I'm going to allow you to do, Lord. And you know, he's so wonderful and gracious. He'll say, you know what? If that's as far as you want to go with me, I'll, get, I'll take you that far. Because I'm not going to do something against your will. I'm not going to force you to do anything because that's not worship. So we can never do this by force. We can never do this by even the suggestion. I would just examine, ask you to examine your heart this week and say, Lord, next time we get together, I want to be done with my inhibition. Maybe you don't have a good voice. It doesn't matter. There was a woman many years ago who used to fellowship with us. She was the loudest singer in the whole church, and she couldn't hold a single tone. But you know what? I'd rather have a room full of women like that, a room full of people like that, who cannot sing their way out of a wet paper sack with a knife, a wet paper sack that's been wet for a couple days. You can poke your finger through it. It almost comes apart by itself. I'd rather have a room full of people who can't sing at all and are just trying to keep up with the worship leader than anything else. And you know what? I think God does too. So don't be, inhi- don't be inhibited by how you can sing, what you can sing, how good you sing. It really doesn't matter. Let's get beyond all that. I pray that we would all grow in that because something needs to change in my heart. And I would lovingly ask you just to examine yours. Say, Lord, where have I gone? Why, why, why is it that I no longer can express that? And it's not just singing. I would encourage you to worship him in every area of your life, no matter what it is. In your giving, give sacrificially. In, in your life and service, give sacrificially in your service to him. Whatever it is, do it as holy as unto him. In all things, do it unto him, not to a movement, not to a person. We do it for him alone, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and let's pray. Lord, we're going to be in chapter 4 another week. But Lord, I know that you have spoken today. I'm confident of that. I'm, I'm confident that you've broken my own heart and are breaking it. Lord, I pray that you'd bless my brothers and sisters. I pray that they would know beyond the shadow of a doubt your great love for them. I pray that they would know that there's nothing good within us that I can do to earn your favor, Lord. In Christ, we already have your favor, but now it's just responding to you, Lord. Responding because of what you've already done, Lord. We can't, all we can do is heap praise as we look at these, these, these four creatures and these 24 elders and these angels. Just giving it, Lord, I want to be that person. Would you make us all that kind of person? We give it all to you, whatever it is, whatever it is. Help us to give it all to you, Lord, and and let you work all of the details. You're much better at it than we are. You know it all, Father. And so, Lord, we simply exalt you this morning. We want to be encouraged as we read. We want to let our hearts be raptured again by this, by the things that we see. And we know that these are just symbols. They're not even the reality. The reality is so much greater than all of this. Lord, it ought to just blast us off. That rocket that we saw recently go up into the sky just a few weeks ago, a week and a half ago. Lord, may our hearts take off even with more splendor and more glory than that thing I'd ever imagine. Help us, Lord. You know the age we live in, but we don't want to roll over and succumb to the age that we live in, God. Set us on fire again, Jesus. 
Revive your church. Revive me, God. And thank you so much for bringing us together. Lord, we've longed for this for months. We've been longing for this, Lord. And we thank you that you've met with us today. Thank you that you will continue to meet with us. Because you're a great and loving Heavenly Father. And so thankful that you love us. So thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. So thankful for each other, God. Thank you for every single person here, God. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.